How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, you did pretty good. I'm not going to make you say it again because there's nothing quite like making people say things. Um, we are in a rock Sunday, and we've talked about this before, but it's about renewing our campus for the kingdom. It's about making the local church better. It's about being the church of God, about doing the, the things that we need to do to take his word out into the world, to, to help each other, to, to be stronger in his name. And so as I was praying about this message and, and thinking about what I wanted to speak about, what the Lord was laying upon my heart, uh, one of the things that I feel is so missing in the world today is listening. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the, the act of listening. And it's something that we often take for granted, but so many of us have trouble with it. And in the world, you'll see, uh, just watch any political show, you'll see that listening doesn't really happen very often. And so today we are going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about it through Jesus. It's just what we should talk about everything. And so go to John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been, born, had, been, had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the, man, the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam meaning scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. This is an amazing miracle. Uh, more so than, than we even realize often, because this was the very first time that anyone born blind was healed and given sight. So not throughout the entire Old Testament, throughout any prophet's work, throughout anything that had happened before, had this happened. And so Jesus did that to bring the light of God literally into this man's life, but into all of our lives. And it's such an amazing thing. And it begins with the disciples asking questions. That's how you learn. They were asking questions. And they weren't trying to get a specific answer. They weren't trying to trick anybody. They were just simply curious. And they're like, hey, why is this guy blind? What, what did he do? What did his parents do? And Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not what this is about. Jesus answers them calmly and truthfully and teaches them. Because with Jesus, and one of the, the most worthy, amazing, miraculous things about his life, uh, the healing and everything, all of that is amazing and pure. The sacrifice he made on the cross, that's why we are here literally and figuratively in every sense. But the fact that while he healed, while he did miracles, Every single day of his life, he was teaching. Everything he did was a sacrifice. Everything he did was speaking, teaching, listening, helping. And so in this case, he's teaching the disciples, and he's helping them. And he says, that's not why. He is blind so that the glory of God can be seen. Now, that doesn't mean that God just randomly picked a guy and was like, hey, you're going to be blind so that someday Jesus can come and heal you. It means that God can overcome anything in our lives. And so even blindness, he literally was healed and, and, and able to see. And so Jesus taught as he went. And one of the things, if you look through his miracles and the healing, you see that he did it in different ways each time. Now, he didn't need to do anything other than say, hey, you're healed, uh, other than to, to do what he did with the, the Roman centurion's son and just say, hey, it's good. Because that's who Jesus was, fully God, fully human. He had everything, was everything. But he would change it because people often get so caught up in the wrong things. And so people were watching all the time, like, oh, well, this is how he did that. Let's take notes. Let's figure out how to do this ourselves and take God out of it. 
but Jesus would change up how he healed people. Not for, for the show of it, but because it's not about that. It is about the healing. It is about God. It is about that light. And so in this case, he kind of harkens back to creation and, and, you know, makes mud out of his saliva and puts it on the man's eye. Now, I know all of you are like, oh, man, I got to go to the doctor this week. I want him to spit in my face. Now, we don't like that anymore. But at the time, uh, he was doing this because most of the people around, they thought of saliva as something with curative elements. Now, are you glad that's different now? Instead of those hand sanitizer things, it'd be like little packets of saliva that we'd take around. Some of you guys are like, stop. But that's okay. But, uh, so the point is, he healed him. He sent him, he said, hey, I'm putting this on your face, go and wash. And so the man went, the man listened, the man was healed by his faith. The man was healed because he heard Jesus, because he knew who Jesus was, not from knowledge before, but simply by hearing him talk, by feeling the love in, in everything that he was. Now, this should be the end of the story. This should be just an amazing miracle that we talk about and say, look at the, the glory of God and look how everyone was helped and look at how good Jesus is. And that's all true. But this isn't the end of the story, unfortunately. And, and you're like, well, he's talking about blindness. Did he get confused on the ears thing? Like, what's he doing? Uh, after this, like the word started to get around because this was amazing. Like I said, this is the first time. And so the man was taken before the Pharisees. And so we're going to go to John chapter 9, verses 13 through 41. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them. He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how can an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division among them. Like I said, eventually this gets back to the Pharisees. And so... At the beginning, they're not really doing anything wrong. They're just asking questions, and that's what we should do. But, but as we've seen with the Pharisees, they have a certain response they want when they ask questions. They know already what they think. They know already what they want to happen. They know already what they want people to say. And so when they ask, they already know the Sabbath. They already know what he did. And so they want this guy, they want the blind man to back up now, some of them listen to him. Some of them listen to Jesus. We often group the Pharisees together, and it's like, they're the bad guys. You know, they did bad things at times. Uh, some of them never got right, but some of them did. Some of them were just too afraid to go against the others. So some of them did come to Christ. Some of them did listen. But in this case, we see that they saw the Sabbath work was bad. They're like, he sinned. I don't care what happened. So they ask him. They ask the blind man, and they're not even listening. They don't even know what he says, probably. They're just like, oh yeah, well, he healed on the Sabbath. They don't pay attention because they were listening to be able to respond. They were listening because they didn't actually care about the man. They cared about what they thought. And this is a huge deal for them because the healing of a blind man back in Isaiah 35.5, that's a, a prophecy of the Messiah. So like this goes straight in what they're telling people. And so like, we got to tamp this down. We got to get rid of this. We got to control this. We got to spin it. And here, just like in life, uh, people often ask questions not to listen, not to understand, not to care, not to help, but to have the chance to respond, to have a response cooked up and ready, to have a joke cooked up and ready, to have a Facebook post ready to go. 
And you'll see this, again, if you watch the debates, if you get on Facebook, if you talk to people in the world, you will be able to ask questions or hear people ask questions, and then it doesn't matter what happens next because they're just waiting for the next spot. Uh, I I watch a a lot of sports shows and the reporters yelling at each other, and it very rarely do the questions actually get answered. It's just new questions. And that's what people want. That's what people do. And so it's so hard to deal with that. Now, all of us have that impulse, every single one of us. Um, I've had several wives come up to me before this service and say, hey, I need you to talk about this. We all have that impulse to not listen, to just get our point across. And, and so it's, it's hard. Uh, I, I'm on several sites for, for different TV shows and movies on Facebook where it's just you like them and you see things, and I don't really pay attention to it. It's just something to scroll through Facebook. And so uh, the other day I was looking and People were talking about this show, and, and somebody posted, hey, share uh, your unpopular opinion about this show, and then underneath it, everybody just say agree or disagree. No discussion, no making people feel bad, no shaming, nothing like that. And so, you know, you know where I'm going with this before I even say anything. Uh, I, I would look, and I scrolled through, and you see a couple of them, and I'm, I'm myself thinking, like, well, that's, I don't agree with that, or I do agree with that. And I would see, like, agree, agree, disagree, disagree. And then all of a sudden, there's, like, a 16-paragraph post. Like, not even saying the words agree or disagree, but just saying why that person is stupid, why that person is wrong. They didn't listen to the directions. They didn't read it. They didn't care. They just saw a chance to push their opinion. They saw a chance to post what they wanted to say. And I have this temptation, too. Uh, When I'm scrolling, we all have this. When I'm scrolling, I'll see something. I just saw something the other day about a movie that I like. And I saw the person say, this is like the worst movie I've ever seen. And I'm like, I, I liked it. And so I had this temptation to get on and say, this is why it's good and all this. And I'm like, what's that for? There are actually people in this world, and it's nuts, who think Batman is better than Spider-Man. That's ridiculous. And so it's very hard for me to not correct them. Or, like I've talked about before, people actually still don't realize that IU is better than Purdue. Now, there is a theological reason for that. Uh, And so I might get myself in trouble, but I'm going to do it anyway. You see, the crimson and the cream of IU, the blood of Christ, the crimson red, the white purity of heaven. Then you have Purdue, which is like the yellow and black crackling. I can do that with Spider-Man and Batman too. But anyway, it's it's so tempting to quote-unquote fix somebody's opinion. Because we all think our opinions are right. We all think that we're right all of the time. And my mom's saying, yeah, listen to yourself. She's here. Hi. Uh, And so we all have that temptation, and the Pharisees are doing it. The Pharisees in this case, and I've said before, they follow Jesus around. Imagine if they actually listened to what he was saying and paid attention to what he was doing and then took that and, and let it take hold in their own lives. The history of the church would be so, so different. But they didn't. They would follow him around, not to listen to what he was saying, but just to shut him down, just to trick people, just to trap people, just to trap him. And it's because they thought their opinion was the best, just like most of us, just like everybody in the world thinks their opinion is the best. And sometimes, it's not even about arguing, it's not even about proving something, it's about getting affirmation. We will ask questions just so somebody will say yes, just so somebody will say, yeah, that's right. We don't actually care about the question. Uh, We may even word it in a way where it's not like a real question. We just kind of bring our voice up at the end. Just so somebody will say, yeah, right. Because we don't actually care other than to say it sometimes. And it's like, sometimes. 
This is where the Pharisees are, and this is where a lot of people in the world are. It's, man, I cannot wait for a chance to teach them. I cannot wait for a chance to get them to look at me and know I'm right. And know, wow, I've gone my entire life, but until I met you, I had no idea that, that someone could be so right. We have this desire to hear that. The Pharisees wanted to hear that. It wasn't about saying God is good, God is right. It's about saying I was right. I'm the one that pointed them. My opinion is the best. That's what people want sometimes, most of the time even. About being a hero, a mentor, a, a, a teacher, but not in the way where it's helpful. And then think about the blind man throughout all of this. He has never seen anything. And then all of a sudden he's healed. And, and all he probably wants to do is see things. Imagine that. Like his entire life was darkness. And now he sees colors. He sees people. He sees people's faces. He can see his parents. He can see the sky. He wanted to probably run to the movies and see whatever was ever out at the time. Avengers Begin Game or something. And so, thanks. And so he wanted to, to see things. For the first time, and the Pharisees are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to prove something first. You come with us. Because it's about us. It's not about you. It's not about Jesus. And so that's what they're doing. So he's got this joy. And they're just destroying it in his life or trying to. Going to verse 17. Then the Pharisees again questioned the men who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about the man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, he is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. The Pharisees had made up their mind long before. And in fact, they were trying to, to shift everything to their point of view by cheating, so to speak. They were basically sending out word, hey, you don't have to agree with us, but if you don't, you're out of the church. Now, that's bad enough today, like if people did that, but back then, that was all there was. They couldn't go to a new city or a new church in town. Like if you were a, a Jewish believer, the synagogue was what you had, and the Pharisees had a long reach. And so they could ruin somebody's life. So the parents were scared. The blind man was probably a little scared. And so they had made up their mind. And when they asked, they probably had a tone. You know, you, we've all done this. It's like, hey, that Jesus guy that, that healed you, how'd he do it? And like, you, you know, by the tone, we know what you're supposed to do. And some of you parents have done that. It's like, hey, who... I'm looking at you. Who broke the cookie jar? Do you have any idea? And it's like, you know who broke the cookie jar. My great-grandma knew who broke the cookie jar. It was always me. I didn't actually ever break one. But uh, I got my hand stuck at one once. But anyway, um, we, we ask these leading questions with a tone to get what we want, to get the answer that we want. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And they're men of power, and so it's really, really bad. But for the blind man, once you've seen Jesus, and I don't mean literally what he can do now, once you've truly seen the work of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the love, the life, the faith of Jesus, you know that it's true. So he didn't know Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't know who he was. All he knew was his name 
and what he had done. In fact, if you look back to where Jesus sent him to the, the pool to heal, he didn't actually ever say, you're going to be healed. He just put the mud on his eyes and said, go. And the man went. He didn't have a promise of being healed. He just knew there was something about Jesus. Something was there. And so he went and he was healed. And so that's what he told. He's like, hey, all I know is that I was blind and now I can see. All I know is that he healed me. And that's what he knows and that's what he tells them. He's not pretending to know things that he doesn't. He's not acting better than anyone else. He's simply saying, I listened and I learned and this is what I think now. And then they don't like the answer that they get. And so they go to his parents. I don't know if any of you have ever done or had this happen, but you go to your mom and you're like, mom, I really want to go to Kings Island all weekend and, and sleep in the antique cars and just stay there and, you know, it'll be okay. My friends are going to do it and it's really cool. And, and mom's like, no, that's stupid. You can't do that. And then you go and you ask dad. And dad's not paying attention. And so you're like, hey, can I do this? My sister has done this with, uh, there was a time that my mom came home and she's told me this story and I love it. My mom came home and my sister's hair was pink. Because she apparently asked my dad, well, he's watching TV, and that's what you do. And so we do that. We do that. And we have it done to us. We do it to other people. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. They've asked over and over and over again, hey, who is this Jesus? Hey, what did he do to you? And they cannot take the answer. And so they go and they try to get something else. And so at this point, they are so afraid of what this means, so unwilling to admit that they might be wrong, that they are now saying, well, maybe he wasn't healed, maybe he was just never blind, and it's a big trick. And so they go to his parents, and his parents are terrified, and they want to protect him, but they know they can be kicked out. This is such a problem, then and now, this fear of being wrong. Sometimes that's behind everything, the reason we don't listen, because when you listen, you learn. You learn about other people. You learn about things. And so your ego can take a hit if you have to admit, oh, I didn't look at it that way, or I didn't think about it that way, or oh, IU really is the best, things like that. And so the Pharisees were so unwilling to admit that they were wrong because one of the hardest things about listening is that, is having to say, hey, maybe I was mistaken. And that's hard because we don't like to do that because, again, we all think our opinion is the best, and that possibility is so hard to stomach. And the Pharisees, who were religious leaders, are allowing this to drive them. They are not caring about the person that they're dragging around. They don't care about the fear that they are bringing about. They, they don't care about anything else other than, we've got to be right. And so we are going to ask enough people that eventually we will be right. And that's what they want, and that's what they're doing. Going to verse 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know that Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? What do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were, 
born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. They called Jesus a sinner, not even because of the Sabbath. They, they, you know, they were upset about him breaking the Sabbath, but it's because Jesus was not pointing the light on them. It's because he was breaking their man-made customs. He was breaking their traditions, everything that they thought people should do. The Pharisees wanted everybody to come through them. And Jesus said, that's not how it works. You're to glorify God and you come through me and I will show you that you can just talk to me directly. You can talk to God directly. You can be a part of this. You can have a relationship. And the Pharisees didn't like that. So instead of trying to understand it, they're like, he's a sinner. He's wrong. And then they kept trying to add evidence to that. And I love the blind man in this part especially because you can tell that he's getting frustrated. You can tell that he's getting tired of saying the same thing over and over again. And he's actually starting to sound more like a teacher than they are. He's basically saying, do you not understand? He healed me. That comes from God. You've preached that yourself. How, how do you not know this? And they jumped when he said, do you want to be his disciples too? I, I, you've been around people like this. You know that they jumped on that too. They're like, aha. We didn't hear the other 16 words you said before this, but you said too. That means you're one of his disciples. So we were right. And he's like, do you not understand that there is more here? Do you not understand that there's more going on than you? And think about this man again. Think about what he's feeling. He's frustrated, clearly. And he wants to just live his life. He wants to find Jesus again, probably. He wants to know what life can be. And the, the, the Pharisees are ruining their witness. You see, the man, we don't know his faith. We don't know what his religion was. We don't know what he believed. His parents were clearly believers. And so probably he had some understanding. More than likely, he looked up to the Pharisees. More than likely, he thought, well, you know, I don't know much about them, but they're men of scholar. They know the scripture. They, they must be right, like before this incident. They probably thought, wow, they really know everything. I really respect them. I, I can't believe, I, I hope to someday be like them, something like that. But the more they actually act, the more they don't listen, the more they show who they truly are, the less that respect came out. And so their witness, which was probably strong in his life once, is now gone. You see, sometimes, sometimes, in the same argument where we have this desire to truly bring someone to Jesus, and it's like, I'm going to argue them straight to the faith, and I'm going to prove my case. In that same argument, in the way that we argue, in the way that we don't listen, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act, we do the opposite. See, that's what the Pharisees are doing. I've known people like this where they know the scripture. And I've heard them just beat people down. And I've seen the light go out of people's eyes. And it hurts. And we all have that temptation because, again, this is a big deal. Like, to be a Christian is a big deal. To, we know that this is the right way. And so we see the world hurting. We see all of the bad things. We see people screwing up and doing bad. And it's like, i got to get in there and fix it. We can't fix anything. We can't save anyone. The greatest pastor in the history of time cannot save anyone. Jesus saves. And we are to point the light to him. We are to point people towards him. We are to speak his message. We are to allow him to speak through us. And so the Pharisees are literally ruining their witness. Any chance they had is now gone because people are going to talk about, man, you remember the time that there was this guy who, who could see and they just beat him down until he didn't even feel good about it? They know so much, but they act like they know so much. They don't actually listen. Listening matters. 
And, and the man, he's so amazing. Because what he says again is, I was blind and now I see. He's not pretending that he knows everything. He's not pretending that he's always right. He's simply saying, listen, I know that I felt something from this Jesus. And I know that after I talked to him and did what he said, I was healed. So there's something there. And that's what he is telling them. And he even calls them out for not listening. Because it's so obvious when we're not listening. We think that nobody notices. But it's obvious when you're waiting and you're calculating behind your eyes. Well, I can't wait to say this because I got a real good line. I got a real good post. I got a real good comeback. And then they say something, and maybe it's even a cry for help. And we're like, eh, I'll get to that later. But right now, I got to really make them see me. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. That's why they jump on him and accuse him. They accuse him of teaching. If only they'd listened. Because he was. He was teaching by example. He was teaching by saying, hey, this Jesus, he healed me. Going to verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they're blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. This is a beautiful conversation before the Pharisees get involved. It's what a conversation should be. Jesus asks him a question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He doesn't say, hey, there's a right answer here. There is a right answer here. But he doesn't say, hey, you better answer how I think because this is important. It is important. But simply by caring, Jesus is showing him that. And the guy's like, I want to. Who is he? And Jesus is like, it's me. And he's like, okay. Simple conversation, a beautiful conversation. Imagine if in next year when the political, day, the Trump versus Biden or whoever is running for president, if you turn on the debates and you see the moderator ask a question and then Trump is like, well, this is what I think, what do you think? And then Biden's like, well, this is what I think, what do you think? And then they talk. You'd be like, uh, am I, what happened? Am I in a coma? Like, am I sleeping? What, are we in a simulation? Like, it's crazy because that's not going to happen. It would be awesome if it did. It's not going to happen. Because they're going to be yelling, and that's what, politics hap that's what happens with politics. They're going to be yelling, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Because sometimes it's more important for us to let the other person know they're wrong than even to be right. And so this conversation, Jesus is showing us and the blind man, hey, this is how you do it. You ask questions, you listen, you answer, you care, you show that you're there. And then it's so absurd to me to picture this scene where they're talking and the man probably has tears running down his newly seeing eyes and he's seeing Jesus and he's so happy and that joy is back because Jesus is legit and the Pharisees are kind of hiding behind trees and bushes and lampposts and they're like okay I think, I, I think he said Pharisees we gotta get in here and they jump in they're like are you talking about us and he's like guys shockingly not everything is about you shockingly, this is about more than you. And so he says, I can't even call you blind because you won't even admit that you can't see. That's what our problem in so many leadership roles in the, in the world, in politics and everything else, in, in life. People won't even admit that they can't see, that they can't hear. They just do it. And sometimes we get caught up in that. And, and it's human nature, but Jesus is saying, hey, listen. 
Because in this world, it's very rarely about like being right. It's about being louder and being first. I used to be a reporter a long time ago. Uh, and even though it was for a small town paper in Indiana, uh, it was a deal where we had to have two to three sources each time, even for small stories that didn't matter to anyone else. You had to have a couple sources, and you had to back them up, and then you had to write it, and it got checked and all that. And now with the advent of Twitter and so many things, like both sides of the political aisle, like the stories will come out, and it doesn't matter if it's right or fact-checked or anonymous or whatever. It's just about being first, and it's about controlling people's perceptions. It's about not the truth, but about being loudest. And that's what our world is about. So how do we live here? How do we do it? As Christians who, who were supposed to follow Jesus' way, how can we possibly listen in a world that won't hear? How can we possibly know how to respond? Well, Jesus showed us, but also I want to go to James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. The word of God has the power to save your souls. Not my opinion, not your opinion, the word of God. Now this comes from James. Uh, theological study ha has told us that this is the half-brother of Jesus. There are different James that come up, but in this case, uh, you know, the vast majority agree that this is the half-brother of Jesus. So he grew up not really even liking Jesus because uh, it, it's like, man, he's getting attention and everybody looks at him and thinks this stuff and so he didn't listen. But even though he wasn't listening, he still heard and that seed was planted and that's what's important for us when we speak the truth, when we live, when we exemplify, we're planting a seed. It's not for us to grow it, it's for us to plant it. And so James had that seed planted and eventually it took hold and he finally listened and once he listened, he's like, wow, I've got to tell others about this. I've got to live this. And so he wrote, and he followed the Lord, and he did everything he could to, to bring glory to God. He went all out, and he tells us right here how to live. Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. That means the very first thing. Listen. Try to understand. See where somebody is coming from. See what their life is like. See what they're thinking. This does not mean that every single person you talk to if they disagree with you, you immediately agree with them, and it's like, well, they're saying something, so I'm going to, that's a good point, I'm good. It means you listen, and you see why they believe what they believe, where they're coming from, what their life was like, what they're going through, and you try to understand it. You put the shoe on your foot, so to speak. You walk a mile in their shoes. I would say a thousand, but that's a real long time. You try to listen. You're quick to listen. That's your first response. You listen. Before you send that text response, that Twitter response, that Facebook post, that long email, you think, you listen. And then it says, be slow to speak. This does not mean slow motion. It means, I didn't do that very well. It means, be slow to speak. Think before you act. Think before you speak. Listen and then think crazy. Again, imagine if the debates were like this. There is an old saying, I'm not very handy, but I know the saying, measure twice, cut once. Uh, I believe that means that you measure, and then you measure again to make sure you're right, and then you cut it. I assume with a saw or something. Um, I need Ikea stuff, but anyway, 
You measure twice, cut once. Well, basically this is saying, listen twice, speak once. Listen, and then make sure you heard it right. Make sure you're understanding. Think, and then speak, because it's not about us. It says human anger does nothing. Our anger means nothing. We get mad for everything all the time. We get mad when people disagree. We sometimes get mad when people agree because they didn't agree in the right way, and that's what the Pharisees are doing. But Jesus is what matters. His word, his life, his truth. So be slow to get angry. It is not for us to change people, to fix people. It is for us to show people who Jesus is, to speak about him, to fill ourselves with God's word, to listen, to teach, to exemplify Jesus. Uh, there's a quote from Mark Twain that I really love. The interesting thing about Mark Twain, this is where my English major stuff comes out. Uh, Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, uh, was a steamboat captain and did a bunch of different things, traveled the country before he wrote his very first story, before he wrote his very first book, uh, and I'll quiz you later out of church what his first story was. And so, before he wrote anything down, and he's probably the one of, at least, the greatest American authors of all time. Like, he's still remembered today, and that was a long time ago, like five years before I was born. It was a long time ago. What he did was he traveled the country and listened to other people's stories. He listened to traditions. He listened to folk tales. He listened to everything he could hear. And then he started writing. Now, he could have just started writing immediately, but who knows what would have happened. But he listened first, and so he's not Jesus. But he says, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have rather talked. Everyone would rather talk. We would rather our opinion be known. We would rather beyond the record. But wisdom comes from listening first. Wisdom comes from looking at Jesus' life and saying, how did he do this? How did he react? How did he treat others? How did he speak? How did he listen? People need to hear Jesus' truth. They need to feel Jesus' love. They need to know the faith of Jesus. They don't need our opinion. Now, our opinions, if we're Christians, should line up with the Bible, should line up with Christ. But that's not what it's about. It's about pointing people to Jesus. It's about being an example of Jesus. It's about being a light for Jesus. It's about listening, helping, doing what he did. So instead of looking for chances to jump in, and it's easy. Again, Facebook. It's easy to want to immediately just jump in and say things. Because we're right. But instead of that, to offer your opinion, listen. Listen for what others say. Listen for what people need to feel, need to hear. Listen for how you can show Jesus in someone's life. That is what we are here for. We are here to be more like Jesus, to help, to love, to show others to him. That's all I got. Please stand. Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for giving us a chance to listen, to, to worship, to, to be more like you. I ask that you help us as we go from here to do better at listening, to be more like the church should be, to, to do everything we can to hear the voices crying out for help and to show you to them. 
I thank you for giving us this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for healing blindness, and I thank you for healing our blindness. I ask that you help us to see you, to show you, to let others see our witness, to see your light in everything that we do, in everything that we say, in everything that we are, even in the way we listen. Be with us as we go from here. Help us to feel your peace and to show it to others. In your name we pray. Amen.